You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to Sprott Money News. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, August 12, 2016. And joining us once again this week is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, we survived uh, the payrolls last week, and things are looking kind of good. So it should be a uh, fun 10 or 15 minutes. Boy, I tell you what, if somebody would have jumped on the call with us last Friday when we were suffering through the reaction to the payroll report and then told us that by next Friday, gold would have rebounded by more than 1%, silver up more than 2%, and the HUI index is up 4% from last Friday's close. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. And, of course, I think there's lots of good uh, fundamental reasons for it, particularly if you want to use the, the comparative point of, you know, the supposed a strong jobs number, which, of course, most of us who've been around for a while realize is a bit of a fiction created by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And then that same Bureau of Labor Statistics just came out a couple of days ago and said, oh, by the way, the 4.2% annualized wage growth that we've been telling you has been going on in the economy, it isn't 4.2, it's negative 0.4. So here we have this commentary that's been going on for 12 months saying how great the growth rate of uh, wages are, only to find out it was total BS. And I'm sure that the whole job thing is BS. I've always believed that, that they can do so many things to make the number look way better than it is. And, for example, uh, Craig, if you go to the um, withholding taxes, they're up something like 1.2% year over year. Uh, not probably six months or 12 months ago, they were, been, they were up 5% year over year. So it just shows you that employment and the general economic uh, goings on are incredibly weak. And every time that it goes from down at that kind of rate of progression, you go into recession. And I'm absolutely convinced we're in a recession because there's so many other factors that tell us that, whether it's the truck loadings or the car loadings or there's so many uh, real data points that go there, capital expenditures falling job layoffs, whatever, that uh, I'm pretty certain that uh, we're, we're in a recession and or going into a recession. Speaking of those actual data points, not just a st- st- statistical guesswork of the BLS, we got some actual data points this morning. You mentioned the, the uh, recalculation of annual wages, but this, just this morning we got a PPI, a producer price index that came in at negative 0.4. And retail sales that were flat. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem like a booming U.S. economy, does it? No. It's the June retail sales that, uh, to me, were indicative of what's really going. And that's probably a little bit of BS, too, okay? I mean, you keep hearing all these retailers. It was Macy's yesterday said they're going to close 100 stores. And I think their same-store sales were down something like 7%. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was something like that. And you've had all sorts of retailers uh, coming out with these poor results here, and the whole um, discussion in retail is just atrocious. So, uh, why we we would expect that the you know re- retail sales numbers would be good is beyond me because all the store guys and the department stores are you know you get data showing that uh, the the um, people walking through the shopping malls is decreasing. So, and then. You know, the one simple thing I always look at, I mean, I look at these healthcare premiums that people in the United States are going to have to pay here. How the hang can you increase your retail purchasing when your premiums are going up 10 and 20% a year? And it's already a huge item in everyone's paycheck. So 
anyway, it's just, you know, I've not been a believer in the economic recovery. I think the fiction was the, the suggestion that it was, there was a recovery. There was no recovery. And the world's figuring it out. And uh, there's, the world knows that these fiat currencies are in trouble here, and so they're going to gold. To that end, Eric, we're seeing interest rates just move lower and lower across the globe. Earlier this week, I actually saw the Spanish 10-year bond broke 1%. 1% for a Spanish bond versus one5 in the U.S. Does that mean yeah. that, that Spain's a better credit risk than the U.S.? <laughs> Believe it or not, Craig, it might be, okay? <laughs> if, you, if you look at all the entitlements that the U.S. hasn't funded, it might be a better risk, <laughs> okay? And and how about, I think Italy's bond went negative. I mean, how, and Italy just came out with their GDP, which was, I think, flat in the quarter, which was below expectations. So, I mean, all these countries, are, they've already taken on all the debt. They have no growth. They all have these... Um, entitlements that they haven't recorded yet. I mean, it's, it's, it's an utter disaster. We live in very interesting times, okay? And for those of us who are sane, it's hard to imagine that uh, that stocks would be hitting new highs and, and we still have to listen to the, the mainstream media that everything's okay when we know damn well it isn't okay. Yep, and we've always been told that gold doesn't pay a dividend, and so it's no good. But now with everything else, with a negative rate, Gosh, you and I have discussed uh, negative rates as being the most positive physical gold fundamental we've ever seen. We got a couple of things uh, uh, just drawing even more attention to negative rates this week. One, the Bank of England begun uh, began its latest uh, installment of quantitative easing. And in going out to buy bonds, they actually couldn't find bonds to buy. Nobody was willing to sell bonds to them, which should tell you one yeah. thing. And then overnight, we got news from Bloomberg that a, one of the largest banks in Germany is now going to start charging negative rates to its retail customers. What do you think of all that, Eric? Yeah, well, I mean, that's. It, I think the, the British uh, example is a little more instructive where the people that own the bonds, and it's probably pension funds and, and uh, mutual funds and things like that, they, you just can't keep giving up the yield. I mean, you have certain things that you have to accomplish for your pension plan. And, uh, you know, if, you, if, if we keep giving up, ultimately the pension plan then just goes into negative returns. And how are you going to meet your bogey here? So uh, the bondholders in a desperate situation, yeah, there's nice capital gain on it. But if I take the capital gain, i got to redeploy the money and, and lose interest on it. Yep. So... I guess they just decide, you know what, we're better off holding on to the damn bond here and getting some coupon rather than paying you coupon. So that's interesting. I mean, you and I know, and anybody who's thought about it, interest rates or just some policy wonk came up with it because they'd obviously run out of weapons. You know, they'd run out of arrows. There's no arrows left, okay? They've tried everything. We had, you know, take interest rates down to zero. Now we got to take them negative, and let's see if that works. And Japan's the best example. I mean, we've been doing this in Japan for, what, 26 years now? Yep. Never worked. And it's not going to work. So there we are. Well, and you're right. So here we are. Physical demand for gold and silver, too, is unrelenting and seeming to grow as interest rates go deeper and deeper. Uh, we got news this week that at a time when physical demand is soaring, suddenly, the World Gold Council, working in conjunction with the LME and with Goldman Sachs, has decided to issue a new unallocated gold contract in London. So where the world wants physical, the bankers are going to try to feed us more paper, it seems. Right. 
Yeah, it's disappointing. I don't know why the World Gold Council goes there. Although, um, you know, the current chairman of the World Gold Council, uh, who is the CEO of New, uh, New Gold, is a believer in hedging, okay? And he did it at Barrick, and now he's doing it at New Gold, and I guess he thinks, so, you know, paper's a good thing to have. Uh, uh, those of us who've been in gold for a long time realize the uh, the incorrectness of doing that. And, of course, Barrick, I'm, I was looking at Barrick the other day, and, you know, they have an accumulated deficit over the history of the company, and I hope I'm right on this. I think it was something, an accumulated deficit of $13 billion. You know, this so the greatest gold company in the world and an accumulated deficit $13 billion. Well, I think about 10 of that was lost in derivatives, okay? Yeah. So it just shows you how dangerous they are. And, you know, I've never been much of a fan of the World Gold Council. I think they, uh, they've totally misreported Chinese demand. I've had long discussions with them. I've written open letters to them. Uh, I, every time they bring out a, um, a quarterly report, of course, demand always equals supply and some number gets fudged in there to explain it i was just looking at the last the last quarter which is the june quarter and they had recycling way up but they had mining way up and i just i i don't even know where they get their recycling numbers okay i've never ever seen a source for recycling numbers but somehow they seem to have one and when they need to to make it balanced the recycling went up by something like 20 percent uh just in the quarter which i can't believe for one second so anyway the world gold council I think is um, is more attuned to what the commercial bankers want us to hear than uh, what uh, gold believers want us to hear. Yeah, they get a lot of their funding from management fees taken out of the GLD. So they really Absolutely. seem to be working against all of us regular folks that are trying to stack metal and, and preserve our net worth and use it as insurance. They seem to be only uh, working in alliance with the banks and some of these big uh, miners that want to hedge. Yeah, it's always been my view that they're really not that supportive to the uh, the gold community. And um, I wish, for example, that the gold companies wouldn't support them. Although most of the gold companies, you know, they were the guys doing all the hedging in the last decade who paid dearly for doing that and uh, have supported the World Gold Council. But, uh, I mean, the World Gold Council has not been uh, that friendly to gold in my mind. So I remain a skeptic of their numbers. I remain a skeptic of their uh, methodologies, and I remain a skeptic of their message. Yeah, and now willingly in bed with the LME, and even maybe more importantly, Goldman Sachs. Uh, Eric, as we as we round the corner and move into the back half of August, typically kind of a, a sleepy time of year, a lot of traders around the world on vacation, but as we learned last August, you can get rather volatile too. Uh, like I said, we're up about 1% of the week in gold, pushing 1360 as we record. Uh, as we head into the back half of August, just any words of wisdom, anything you'd like to pass along to the listeners? Well, you know, it's a very typically a seasonally strong time, right? We get the Indians coming back uh, in their uh, religious festivals. Of course, we've got Christmas coming and uh, more jewelry demand. Uh, it's typically a very strong time. Uh, we have a lot of things going on that we've never had before, Craig. I mean, the most I think the most interesting example is just the main line portfolio managers who today are willing to consider gold. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just been a stunning difference to me that, uh, that they, they've now in essence come around and you see it with all the buying of the, uh, of the GLD here that, uh, you know, the generalized institutional guy has come into the game here. So that's the biggest thing. And, 
I think if we keep watching how much uh, money is in, and gold is deposited in GLD and SLV, because I mean, it's physically deposited, which I know you and I both question, but it it just tells you what what the sentiment is out there. And of course, the stocks have gone absolutely bonkers. We've had the greatest bull market of all time that nobody talks about. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we're up whatever 150, 180 in silver stocks, something like that, in seven months. Hey guys, get on board. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know this is. This is pretty pretty significant, and I, you know, I think there's it's still early innings, so there's there's lots to go here. Hopefully, we start making new highs in gold for the year. That's going to even draw more attention. And uh, oh, after boy. after the week we've had this week, it'll be interesting to see if uh, things look even more rosy by next Friday. We'll just have to see. Eric, it's always a pleasure to visit with you, and I know everybody listening appreciates your insights every week. Thanks again for visiting with us. Craig, my pleasure. Let's hope we have another great week. Look forward to the conversation. It's always fun. And from all of us here at Sprout Money News, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.